You'll find the scripture tonight in the book of Psalm, chapter 66, verse 12, verse 16, I'm sorry. I do express my gratitude for the privilege to be a part of this service, and as, as Brother Price and Brother Lancaster have already said, it's been a long time since I've actually seen a whole lot of people face to face, but I'm grateful for the privilege to be a part of this service this evening, and thank you, Brother David, for uh, the invitation to come, and I do appreciate the message, Brother Price, and it is a wonderful thing to know that our God is in control. The outward man may worry and get excited, but the inward man knows that uh, everything is well at the throne, and I'm grateful that uh, my hope is all anchored in Jesus Christ. I read or someone showed me a few weeks ago at the height of all this compared those of us that have been in lockdown or whatever it's called, mitigation, have you ever heard that? Mitigation, social distancing. Uh, But they compared us to a dog uh, being at home. We wander all over the house hunting for food and uh, we get excited and irritable when we see strangers. And then get so excited when it's time to take a car ride. Uh, But I'm grateful for the privilege to be a part of this service this evening. Psalm chapter 66, verse number 16. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Let's bow our heads again, please, while we pray. Our Father, we bow in your presence tonight. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me of every sin, every word, thought, lust, action, attitude, whatever about me is un- that's unchristlike. I pray that you'll cleanse me of it. Lord, I'm aware that thou art holy and righteous, and that you cannot and will not hear me if I regard iniquity in my heart. And I pray that you'll cleanse me from all sin. Thank you for this privilege tonight of gathering in this tabernacle, in this place, for these that are here, for the wonderful songs that have been sung. Thank you for the man of God that has delivered your word to our hearts. And we're grateful, Lord, that that thou art God, and beside thee there is none other. I pray now, Lord, that you'll be pleased to touch thy servant. Give me that special anointing. Illuminate my mind and loose my tongue. And may the gospel, may the word go forth in all of its power. I pray that you'll revive those of us that are saved, encourage, strengthen us that are saved. Lord, should there be any among us that are strangers to your grace, I pray that this will be the work of salvation, the moment of salvation. I pray, Lord, now that everything that is done and said will be to the praise and the glory and the approval of God. We love you because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. In the name that's above every name, the name of our blessed, blood-stained Redeemer, I pray, amen. I want to speak to you tonight as we look at this 16th verse of the 66th Psalm about the anchor of the soul. It's been my privilege on a few occasions to visit the home of John Knox in Edinburgh, Scotland. 
His house was located exactly one, exactly halfway between the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Castle and Holyrood, uh, Holyrood uh, House, where the palace, where the, uh, the residence of the Queen. Uh, but uh, I have the privilege of standing in the very room where John Knox uh, went home to be with God. But when he was dying, John Knox said to his wife, Bring me the book. Bring me the holy book and read me the verse that brought me to Christ. She read to him from John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I can rejoice today, tonight, with gladness and rejoicing in my heart that many years ago, all of my hope was anchored in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it was, uh, it was uh, 61 years ago, this past April, that the grace of God came to my heart. And that moment, all my hope, from that moment on, all of my hope has been anchored in Jesus Christ. Hebrews six nineteen says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and entereth in, and which entereth into that within the veil. And so our text, Psalm 66, verse 16, is a good place to anchor your soul. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. And we think about the, the soul. The never dying part of man. Consider the creation of the soul. Uh, the soul is not material or carnal or tangible, but the soul is a spiritual thing. It's invisible. You've heard that expression, I haven't seen a soul today. They're exactly right. No one has ever seen a soul, and no one shall ever see a soul on this earth. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made man a living soul. A soul is the product of the breath of God, the life and the energy of God and all that that means. Adam's body was not made in the likeness of God, but his soul was made in the likeness of God. In that is eternal. It never dies. Adam's soul made in the likeness of God himself. Of course, before the fall of Adam, uh, man possessed complete and perfect righteousness and perfect and complete knowledge. And then consider the Contemplation of the soul. Now the soul is capable of contemplating its maker. We worship God with our souls. I will lift my soul unto God. It is the soul that approaches deity. It is the soul that fellowships with God. It is the soul that enters in the very presence of the thrice Holy God, our bodies just express 
what our soul feels and our, our bodies just express that worship of God with the soul. Sometimes people weep. Sometimes people laugh. Sometimes people shout, run, and sometimes people just feel plumb good all over. But our bodies just express what the soul is experiencing and the worship of God. That's why I don't need a professional praise team to lead me in worship. The praise team lives in my heart. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. I know what to do when God comes around because the Spirit of God dwells within our hearts and our bodies just express what our soul feels. It is the soul that really feels. It is the soul that loves or hates. It is the soul that has been made so that we can feel even greater joy than the angels of God feel. But it's also the soul that has been created that can feel the torments that fallen angels feel. But it is with our soul that we approach God and come to the presence of God. And then consider the continuation of the soul. The body dies, but the soul lives eternal. And as my Good friend, Brother Tom Gillum says that really we just expire our breath on earth, but in hell, in, in, in hell, breath in heaven, in the celestial city. We take our last breath on earth, but to those that are saved, our first breath will be celestial air. It will be in the very presence of God. And of course, the unsaved, will experience unutterable torment. But the body dies. But when the body dies, the soul lives on. And when the eyes of the body can no longer see, the soul will still be able to see. When the ears of the body cannot hear, the soul will hear. And when the body cannot feel, then the soul will feel. It may be like the rich man who cried, I'm tormented in these flames. But for the saved, we shall enjoy the very presence of God. But the soul lives on, unaffected by its removal of the body. And it's a very solemn and serious thought to think about that someday the bodies will die and our souls will enter into eternity. And someday excluded the rapture of the church, the iron door of the gate of death will shut behind us. And we'll either be in heaven or we'll be in hell, either with God or without God throughout eternity. It is the soul that lives on, either in the, in the happiness of heaven or the hardness of hell. What is a hundred years? Compared to eternity, and once the body yields up the soul and the tie is cut, our eternal state is settled forever. Amen. The tree where the tree falleth, there shall it lie. There's no purgatory. There's no limbo. There's no stopover. There's not a place to prepare 
for eternity. The soul that dies without God shall live without God forever. And so when the body dies, our soul shall live on. And the tie shall be cut someday. Now the soul, of course, does not age like the body. And the soul does not corrupt like the body. And I've noticed that the older I get, wires keep coming loose. And I'm sure that'll be true until I take my last breath. I read once where that the human body experiences a complete change every seven years. Brother Scott, that means I've had ten different bodies. And they all get a little worse. But this body is going to die. This body will corrupt. But the soul shall live forever. And in light of that, what good are the pleasures of time? When all eternity is torment. What good is the companionship of time? When all eternity is eternal loneliness. What good are the bright lights of time when all eternity is darkness? What good are the joys of time when all eternity is agony? What good is anything in this world if you lose your soul? Jesus said, if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what doth it profit him? Now, no one, of course, can get all the positions of the world. But Jesus says, if you could get all the positions that this world offers, if you could occupy every throne, if you could satisfy every lust, if you could get everything that this world has to offer, and you lose your soul, what does it profit you? If a man dies without Christ, without hope, his estate, eternal state is settled forever. And therefore, it is absolutely essential that you know that you have an anchor and that your anchor holds and that this anchor is Jesus Christ. And so in these verses, there is a word of invitation. Come, and I come and hear all ye that fear God. The psalmist says, come. That's a word of invitation. And what an invitation it is. This word, come, is the first invitation that we see in the Bible, the book of Genesis. The very beginning, God said to Noah, come, thou and all thy house. And I am so grateful that that invitation to come came to me. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice until it's raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. And so that is a wonderful day. And the invitation, the first the invitation of this book is come. And Noah takes a last look out at those that he preached to. 120 years he had preached to them repentance and warned them 
of the judgment to come. And they would not come. 120 years. He had preached the flood is coming. And the only way to escape is to repent. Noah didn't step out in front of that ark and say, everybody smile. Something wonderful is about to happen. But for 120 years, he preached repentance. Maybe that's why I had so few converts. But for those years he preached. And now the time has come. And see that day when the strange passengers begin to arrive at that ark. See that, that elephant come through the same door as the snail. See that little bird come through the same door as the swooping eagle has come down from its nest high on the mountain. And then the Bible says that God shut him in. But before that, in the mercy of God, that gigantic, massive door, three stories high, that reached from the first floor to the third floor, the third story, in mercy was open seven remaining days. And see that large door finally and slowly but surely begin to move. It shut. God shut the door. God shut Noah in. It wasn't a revolving door where he could come in and out. He was in. God shut him in. And see the dark clouds and see the earth as the fountains of the deep are opened up. And God Almighty sends the waters of the flood upon this earth. Hear their cries, hear their shrieks, hear their screaming. But the day of mercy is ended forever. And soon the houses are covered with water. And soon the mountains are covered as well with maybe a, a mountain peak jetting up here and there. But soon the whole world is covered in one gigantic global sea. It is a shore without a beach to hurl its crest at. But out on that large global sea, while planet Earth is awash, I see a weird-looking old vessel. It is the old boat. And thank God it has outridden the storm. And its precious cargo are wonderfully preserved, headed toward the land of a better day. God's invitation is come. The last invitation in the Bible is come. The Spirit of the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is the first come. That only qualification to come is to have a desire for thirst, to have your thirst satisfied. Let him that is the first come. This is a spiritual thirst, and only God can give that spiritual thirst. And only God can relieve that spiritual thirst. And so, if you're thirsty, the invitation is come. Let him that's the thirst come. I began preach at the age of 12. As a matter of fact, it was this month, uh, Pastor, that I preached the 
first time 59 years ago. And uh, sometimes in, in that first year or two especially, I often preached in little Baptist churches up in the mountains and on the, near the Blue Ridge Parkway. And of course in those days, nobody had air conditioning. No church that I knew of had air conditioning, even the city churches. Uh, but uh, sometimes it got so hot in those little crowded country churches. And after one service, after I'd preached, I noticed that they had just one bucket with one dipper. But I was thirsty. And I noticed that everybody drunk out of the same dipper. They didn't know anything about social distancing. <laughs> and I noticed some of the people looked like a, had something in their mouths. Made no difference to me. I was thirsty. Water. I had to have water. I was preaching in Texas some time ago, and my mouth got dry while I was preaching, and I, I couldn't find any water, and I noticed a little green face under the pulpit and it had water in it. So I turned it up, and I drank it. And on the way to the, to the hotel that night, the pastor said, Brother Larry, did you know that you drunk the that you, you drunk the flyer water out of the water out of the flyer vase? Didn't make any difference to me. I was thirsty. I had to have water. And so there's only one qualification. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come. If any man is the first, let him come. The spirit of the bride say, come. And the Spirit of God calls tonight, and He makes you thirsty. The invitation is, come. Him that cometh to me, I'll in no eyes cast out. Every sinner by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. There's a word of exhortation. Come and hear. And this, of course, is a word of exhortation. Come is an invitational word. But here's a word of exhortation. Come. Verse 5 of this same chapter says, Come and see the tears of his wrath and his judgment. But my text says, Come and hear the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. Isaiah said, Hear, and your soul shall live. Faith come of a hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Come is the word of God. And here is God's word. It's a word of exhortation to you that are thirsty. That's a word of exhortation. Come. And then there is a word of proclamation. Come and hear. All ye that fear God. And I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Now the only way I can talk about the anchor of my soul and this wonderful salvation that God has given me is my personal experience. I have to talk about it in the first tense. I, first person, I know what he did for me. I think I know what he did for others and I see it. But I know what he did for me. And as the apostle said, I do know that he loved me 
and he gave himself for me. And I know by personal experience that his grace is a reality. And I know that it's wonderful and it's marvelous. It's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. He's lifted me out of my clay, planted my feet on the rock, established my goings, and placed a song of praise to God on my lips. The psalmist had made up his mind that he was going to tell it. And I think one of the greatest sadnesses of our churches today is our silence about this wonderful mercy and this grace of God. Now we may have been in a different type of day, but it's still the responsibility of the church to sound out the gospel and to send the glorious gospel light. And thank God for America. And from these shores, the gospel light has gone out after over, the, over these 200 years plus. The gospel light has been shining. God has shed His grace on America. And thank God for the freedom that we've enjoyed and the freedom that we have even to worship God. And I think that many of us are even more grateful for the privilege to be a part of the family of God. And there's nothing like real fellowship with the Lord's people. And it was a good thing when a couple weeks ago the federal judge Moses said to the governor Pharaoh, let my people go, at least for a while. It is a wonderful thing to be able to come together, rejoice together, to see each other. And we may not be able to touch and fellowship as we have, but it's good just to see you. And it's good to be a part of the family of God. You can't improve on it. You can't substitute for it. There's no substitution. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go near the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now don't tell anybody, but we have had a few services at the church. It just happened that the time I showed up, many of them showed up. But you cannot replace the worship and the fellowship of the people of God. And certainly, we do are concerned about the Wuhan virus. And I know that it's serious. And, and I know people that have died from it. And I certainly do not make light of it. We, we take every precaution. But I am so grateful that in the end, that it's all in the hands of God. God does move in mysterious ways. He has wonders to perform. He plants his footstep on the sea. And deep and unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he works out his sovereign will. William Capper said, Thank God, Brother Price, the word of God will prevail. He wrought my soul. God has performed a divine work in my soul. Psalm 139, 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being perfect. In thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Verse 15 says, My voice 
was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. What a work. When God wrought our souls and placed us in our mother's wombs, and what a wonder it was when we were born on the planet earth and God saw to it that we were brought forth to spiritual life, delivered from the spiritual death. Oh, the wonder of God's eternal plan and the fact that God would even set his love on us. I I can't explain it, but I can declare it that what he's done for my soul is wonderful and glorious. I think about that that Native American out in Oklahoma uh, that was uh, converted, Lord saved him, and one day he was witnessing to one of his friends, and his friend sarcastically said, tell me, just how did the Lord save you? And that dear brother found some leaves and made a circle, and then he found a little worm, grabbed worm, and placed that worm in the middle of that circle of leaves and set those leaves on fire. The little worm crawled the north, the south, toward the east and the west, trying to find a way of escape. But when that little worm could not find any way out of that burning ring of fire, it just curled up in the center of that burning ring to die. And about that time, that dear brother reached down lifted that worm up and set it free. And he said to his skeptical friend, that's how the Lord saved me. I was headed toward the fire, but he reached down and lifted me up. Our sin separated us from God. Mountains of sin so high that they could not be scaled. And the ocean of sin was so deep and wide, no person could swim. But we cannot get to him. He came to us and reached down his hand and lifted us up. And I will declare what he hath done for my soul. He sought my soul in mercy and in grace. He bought my soul. He purchased my soul at Calvary with his blessed pierced hands. Sin plowed his back and sin allowed Our Lord allowed sin to voluntarily break his heart. He laid down his life. No man can put one finger on him except by divine permission. Someone has said that when the blood flowed down from the crown of our Lord's head by that crown of thorns, and as the blood flowed down his forehead, with purple drops of blood going past his eyes. And see that blood as it trickles down past sunken eyes and past his darling cheeks. And see that soldier's spear pierce his side and the blood flow from his wounded body. But as that blood flows down the ground, the ground cries out, It is finished. And then the blood rises up to the trees. And the trees say, it is finished. And the blood rises up to the skies. And the skies of the heavens say, it is finished. And the blood comes before the throne. And it cries, it is 
finished. Our Lord has secured our eternal redemption with his blood. And he bought my soul. And he brought my soul. Like the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15, verse 5, he found it. Verse 6, he got home with it. Every sheep God's ever found will safely arrive at home. Nothing said about the journey in between home. Nothing said about the possibility of not making it. Verse 5, the shepherd found it. And verse 6, he's rejoicing with it. Safe in the fold. He bought my soul. And then I want to praise God that he got my soul. I can say humbly but joyfully, I'm his and he's mine. I know whom I have believed and now I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Oh, Billy Bray over on Cornwall, England was known for always praising God. And everywhere he went, he was praising God. And the people made fun of him and made light of him, of course. But Billy Bray said once, once I was a bad man and a sad man, but God made me a glad man. The world says I'm a madman, but God and I know that I'm a glad man. And as the psalmist has said, I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Blessed be the rock. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock, and death can't destroy me, and hell can't hide me, and the grave can't hold me. My anchor holds and grips that rock which is Jesus Christ.